0: Oh, Angie and Jackie, sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First came love, then came marriage, then came the baby and love. How are we gonna have a Step baby? Step one, fucking sperm. That
1: guy? Or this guy? Well he works at a law firm.
0: Step two, you gotta stick it in you.
1: IUI? IVF? Oh. WCF? three.
0: I'm gonna pee on this stick and I'm gonna watch the clock.
2: Okay. Step four. Repeat the first
0: 3. I can't wait until we have a baby. The Baby Mama's Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Baby Mama's Podcast. This is episode number 16. Holy
1: crap, I can't believe we made it this far.
0: I know it's crazy. This is our podcast that's documenting all of our trials and tribulations Did of trying to
1: documenting get- Yeah.
0: Documenting. (laughs) (laughs) Documenting our baby-making process.
1: Oh, and what a process it is. Yeah.
0: But first, before we get into that, I just want to say France.
1: Je t'aime Paris.
0: Yes. It's so incredibly sad and shocking and horrible. Awful.
1: I just can't even, like, fathom that kind of... It's just... uh, It's so...
0: Pointless. Yeah. Exactly. It's pointless, pointless... It's punishing people people. for
1: things that they had nothing to do with. Yeah. And just the whole ISIS thing. Just get over it. Go find your own fucking corner of the world and leave everyone else alone. Why do you have to make everybody like you? So we're all miserable and just angry and willing to kill ourselves? I just don't get it. No, it's it's sad, and
0: it, it kind of can put things in perspective when things like that happen, right? Because it's like, oh, we're so sad we don't have a baby. Getting pregnant's hard. Life is stressful, and, and then... At least
1: nobody's coming to kill us for no reason. And at least
0: we didn't... Well, they are. They just haven't come here yet.
1: Yeah.
0: But at least we didn't have the worst day of our lives yesterday, like some people did. Yeah. And I saw this... I watched too many videos today, because there was nothing... You couldn't escape from this. Mm-hmm. Usually what I do if I have a day off by myself, I spend a significant amount of time on the internet. And
1: Even on days that she does work. <laughs> Don't tell my boss. No, I mean when you're home with me.
0: Yeah. Um, but you go on to Facebook. It's just articles and articles and articles. You go on Reddit. It was just full of stuff, so I couldn't even escape it. So I was just like entrenched in reading articles and videos. And there was one video that I watched where a journalist was outside the, um, what was it called, the Baton clan concert hall where it happened? Bataclan. Yeah, Bataclan. And he, I guess, heard the gunshots or whatever and then started filming. And you can see this woman, and she's hanging outside of a window holding on to the railing, and she's yelling, help me, help me, someone pull me up, I'm pregnant.
1: Ugh. I think I saw that clip, but I didn't hear what she said because I was watching it at work.
0: Why, well, it was in French, but someone who in the comments translated
1: what she was saying and and then and then did you see the, is that the same cli- clip where the guy comes running out and he's like bleeding obviously and he's like limping out of the
0: yeah and he, there's another one where a guy's dragging like his friend who's yeah. probably dead and then <coughs> later on apparently that some of the shooters were shooting out of the window that the woman had been hanging out of so it's presumed just from, you know, the comments and the people that were watching this video that she probably ran into them and was killed. Mm-hmm.
1: It's yeah. just It's awful. And like what a I mean, obviously I guess if the point is to cause as much carnage as possible, fine, but it's like people were just trying to have a good time on a Friday night watching a concert and like watching a football match and
0: Yeah. It's
1: it's, it's just so sad. crazy. I can't even imagine.
0: Nope. But moving forward, yeah. anyway, we love you, France. I know we have some listens there, but I, I don't know if they're actually French people. It might just be our friends, tr- our traveling friends.
1: So we finally got to see our doctor.
0: We did. We saw him yesterday.
1: And my, does he like to talk?
0: <laughs> and he likes to scribble. He always gets out a piece of paper and just like chicken scratches all over it with yeah, just random words. And He makes
1: a diagram, but it's not like, I mean, it's it's not totally useless, but he really likes the arrows and like, it's like a big mind map.
0: It is, totally. And he'll just write, he'll be like, you have three options and he'll write three options and then he'll just tell us what the three options are and then write down like $3,000. And so even if we looked back on it, it wouldn't make sense to us, I don't think. No, it does not Well, it can because we like knew the, but if someone else were looking at it.
1: I think it's like pretty helpful, actually, because it helps you remember what you talked about. Um, (laughs) The thing that he said that made me laugh was, or that I thought was like kind of odd is that he was like, you know, because you want to be... You're going to be good parents and you're like really ready and I was like you don't even know us. Yes, yeah, this is the <laughs> second time you've met us. <laughs> like yeah, okay, we went to a counselor and she said, "Okay, they're not crazy. They're not like doing this to like sell babies or anything." But that's a far leap from you're going to be good parents. He was trying to build rapport, Jackie. I know, and I could tell, but it was like weird cuz when he was saying it, I was like that I could like realize that that's why he was saying it, which made me feel like, "Oh, that's nice, but that's also a weird thing to say to somebody you don't know."
0: Yeah, definitely. Anyway. But overall, okay, so basically what he, he we recorded it. So I guess we'll, we'll, play, play, that, we'll play that now. And we'll then. play
1: some of that because we <laughs> recorded the entire thing. Yeah. Ange did not want me to ask him if I could record it, so I had to do it in secret. So if the sound quality sucks, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, so we'll play that now and then talk about it after.
3: You know, there's many sort of reasons why you couldn't get pregnant. I mean, it could be donor. It could be egg. It could purely be just bloody bad luck, Mm -hmm, which which sometimes is, often is actually. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at trying with donor sperm and the, um, sorry, if you take a look at spontaneous intercourse, trying to conceive statistically, um, there's a 57% likelihood that one would conceive in the first three months of attempting. Mm. And we would assume that that likelihood is higher when you're washing and placing sperm into the uterus at the right time. So it's right. got to be somewhere over 60% that's the likelihood you should be pregnant. That also means that there's a 40% likelihood that we're going to be talking today. Which mm-hmm. gonna... mm-hmm. So I guess it breaks it down to some options that we can consider. Um, one option um, is continuing with what you've been doing. Um, the risks of doing that are that there are some diminishing returns after three months and a fairly significant drop in returns after six months Mm -hmm. so one to three totally reasonable three to six is a bit of a question mark watershed period of time and over six is probably not an unreasonable thing to do we could continue with some modifications um, which are enhancing the number of eggs that you make every month through you know, the use of... you. you Have you been using clomid or letrozole? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, and your, your progesterones were ovulatory, mm-hmm. you know, suggesting that it's That's working. It. <laughs> but you're ovulatory anyways. Yeah. It's, it's called super ovulation. But So letrozole and clomid work by tricking your brain to thinking that you don't have enough FSH. Your brain makes more FSH, and that translates to more eggs. Mm-hmm. But you can do another workaround, which is we can just give you plain old FSH. But... It's a pain. I mean, you got to learn how to do it. It's somewhat traumatizing in the sense that you're stabbing yourself. <laughs> and it, that typically lasts about nine days. Um, the downside risk of this treatment is that nobody has a formula for deciding how you're going to respond. Like we mm. put you on a very low dose. It might be on that low dose you make one or two eggs, in which case the three of us won't be very happy because it's not boosting your odds. You might make perfect three or four eggs, which would give you... Uh, an increased chance of falling pregnant about 20% per month. It's not a massive jump over what you can do, yeah. but it's still a jump. Um, if we're really unlucky, you might really respond extremely well, and they go over 5 eggs. And I would suggest to you that you cancel the IUI in situations like that, because that could only lead you to have a very high risk of triplets, quadruplets, mm-hmm. unhappy pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Yeah the overall risk of this treatment causing twins is 10 to 20 percent so it's about five times what kilometer or electrozole would, would give you so that combined with your IUI, or your IUI and the sperm cost not is going to put you at about maybe somewhere around 3,000 per cycle for that 20 percent mm-hmm. um, this is not a very popular treatment I have to say um, for anybody doing insemination only because You know, people say to me, well, if I'm going to spend more money and have these appointments and have ultrasounds, I don't want 20%. I want, like, 70% like IVF would give me. IVF is purely an extension of that FSH treatment. So in IVF, you take FSH and a separate drug called LH to help mature eggs. And we do the same type of ultrasound and blood testing monitoring, just to make sure that you're responding well. But this time our target is getting 10 or 12 or 14 eggs. We don't need hundreds, just a few more than you normally would make. We then remove those from the body. That's a very quick procedure. It takes about five minutes to do. We fertilize those eggs in the laboratory. So you fertilize those eggs that are known as embryos. And not all of those eggs will make embryos about 70, 80% well. And of all those embryos, only 70 or 80% will be healthy because there's a lot of redundancy in, in embryo quality. So if you make that many eggs, it's very likely that after day five of life, we might be having four or five embryos. And there's a couple things you can do with those embryos. Number one, the obvious, you could transfer one of them back. At your age, if you transfer two, your pregnancy rates go up only very slightly. And you're kind of begging for twins by transferring two. The transferring one gives you about a sixty-seven percent likelihood, sixty-seven to seventy at your age, of falling pregnant. Um, so that's IVF. Overall cost uh, in Canada is about seven thousand for IVF. Drugs will add to about three thousand. Um, if you do it, and we're lucky, and we usually are at your age, to get extra embryos, and you transfer them in the future, say two thousand eighteen or something, um, those embryos uh, the to warm one put it back, that whole cycle costs about twelve fifty. Mm-hmm. So, it's upfront cost is high, but it gives you hopefully several chances to mm-hmm. conceive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, if I was to kind of break it down for you, I think I would suggest to you two options. I think if you're content continuing with what you're doing, continue with oral superovulation and IUI, like you've been doing but don't do it beyond three months. Mm-hmm. Or don't do the middle one, because I think from when you're using donor from a cost perspective, spending three and a half grand for 20% doesn't make a lot of sense. If you spend a bit more, you potentially have triple the success rates and future embryo um, yeah. capabilities. So I, I think your big decision tree is, do I keep going or do I shift?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, is there a way to sort of like... Get the timing even better. Yeah, I think that's maybe our issue. Yeah.
3: Somewhat. I mean, when we monitor cycles, we do ultrasounds kind of at the baseline, day ten, day twelve, and as often as we need to until we see a mm-hmm. dominant follicle ovulate. Um, we used mm-hmm. to actually force ovulation, so then you could time the IUI beautifully, and in theory, that sort of makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But there's been a couple of papers that show that our forcing of ovulation gives lower pregnancy rates than you naturally ovulating. Mm. So, for instance, if you get to day 14 and we see a nice follicle in one of your ovaries, we'd rather now tell you, okay, just keep testing through the day, Mm -hmm. and if you surge by tomorrow, we do the IUI tomorrow. If it takes another two days, just keep doing it, Mm -hmm. rather than forcing an ovulation. Mm -hmm. So, if you do do monitoring, and we check, and it looks like you're picking up a surge appropriately, do it for a month, but don't do it beyond that.
0: Right.
3: If it looks like you're really missing it, then sometimes then we add in that trigger shot so that you know we can time ovulation better.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: When you have people that are what we call normal ovulatory women that have a predictable cycle that are on clomid or letrozole, and you do a clomid letrozole cycle with LH monitoring and an IUI, adding an ultrasound or not having an ultrasound made no difference in pregnancy rate. Like, this past month wasn't as predictable, even though she was on Clomid. Like
0: yeah. It has The like a two previous <laughs> months, I ovulated on day 16, and then the last one, it was day 22, which was hmm. totally weird.
1: Yeah. So is there a reason for that, or is that indicative of anything?
3: Well, some people do get Clomid-resistant over time, mm-hmm. um, and it might be worth switching it to that other one, Letrozole, just as an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. worth making a change. I mean, I... Think when you do something a few times and it doesn't work, it's always good to change. all, like I say, lower side effect profile, equal or better efficiency than clomid. So, um, similar idea. You take five milligrams from day three to day seven of the cycle. It's a different concentration of drug.
1: And we were maybe thinking that the last month she had a chemical pregnancy, possibly. Because everything was different, she had had some strange pains afterwards. Her period was different; it was like a lot heavier and, mm. and right.
3: We, I thought I saw an HCG from that
1: cycle. <clears throat> we got we had a a one. The first two months was zero, and then we had a one. We were like, what does mm. that mean? Let's, well, it means
3: there's some trace of HCG around, mm-hmm. so there might have been implantation and then, you know, early early failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which although SAD it might be a good thing that implantation did occur.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what we thought. But also we've heard different things from different yeah, places right. about uh, HCG. Some people say that there's no reason to have it in your system unless there's pregnancy, and other people have said that there's some levels in your body normally. So what's well, the actual truth?
3: <laughs> Nobody knows. Oh. Um, I, I, I'm of the mindset that HCG is probably not developed naturally in the body. In women that we trigger ovulation, there can be some HCG, because we trigger with HCG. Mm -hmm. There can be HCG that lingers around, so I never trust the HCG level. Mm -hmm. But in your case, having one, I always think in the back of my head, there's got to be some placental tissue there at Mm -hmm. some point, even if it was 100 cells. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And is it true that after you have something like that, like a chemical pregnancy, that you're more... Fertile? Okay, that's just like an old wives tale. Right? Yeah, it's just to
3: make us go us
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like it almost happens, it's probably going to happen next time.
3: The um, cumulative pregnancy rates for month 4 to 6 add up to about 30% for that 3 month walk. Mm-hmm. And at any time along the way you could say, well, you know I did it one more time or two more times and we're tired of this and we just want to do it. Yeah, yeah we don't answer. have to commit to doing <laughs> all don't. 3 months of pregnancy. You don't, not out. at all. You just yeah. have to understand that this odds of diminishing returns does set in at some point. Mm-hmm. I detect that you're not totally on the same page. <laughs>
1: um, well, you're more money-oriented. I think more about money she's, <laughs> she's more... I mean, I still obviously want us to get pregnant, but she just wants it to happen as quickly as possible, no matter what the cost. Because
0: you have to think about it, if you, you want to have a baby realistic. too, the longer we do this, the harder it will be for
1: you. Because you're getting old. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 32. Um, I know I don't have multiple years left, but, you know, I don't want to get to the point where I have a baby and I'm broke, because all <laughs> I've done is spend all of my money on getting pregnant.
3: True. Would you want a baby with your own eggs, or would you want one of these in-lives?
1: With my own eggs, ideally. <laughs> I
3: I think it's complex. I mean, I, I think we're fortunate to live in a time where you've got options, but sometimes those options make it
1: you
3: <laughs> rely on them? Yeah. Having said that, at thirty-two, you're very young. No offense, but <laughs> yeah. you're very young. And your success rates at IVF will start to dip a little bit at thirty five. Yeah. So you've got a window of time. Yeah. You know, so I I, um, yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think in any couple there's a pragmatist. Yeah. And, has to be. <laughs> and also a one in someone else who might be thinking more of different picture you know and, and i don't think either of you are wrong
0: yeah. so uh basically what he presented to us was that we could either continue what we're doing with letrozole instead of clomid or go ivf
1: there was another option that was like not ideal it was like giving Giving you LH and FSH shots, and I think what he said was basically it gives you about a twenty percent chance of getting pregnant, and it's like three grand a month. Whereas
0: I think it was thirty percent.
1: No, it was twenty. Okay, it was totally twenty. Well, I guess back he wrote in the it on his chicken scratch. <laughs> so we kind of looked at that, and he was like, "This isn't very popular because you don't get a very big. There's not a huge leap in percentage in your chances from IUI to that." And we also found out that having monitored cycles doesn't actually up your chances at all.
0: Yeah, they... He no said, literature,
1: sorry. It, no literature has backed that up.
0: Yes. So he said that it doesn't show that it helps at all in in getting pregnant. But that was and that mean. they don't really do the trigger shots, which...
1: Yeah. Yeah, because, well, okay, so two things. He said that um, there was only about two articles about monitoring he said neither of them found any increased chances, which he thought was odd. And then beyond that, he said that they found that you actually have a lower chance of getting pregnant when they give you a trigger shot than you would just letting your body ovulate. So if you're ovulatory, they say it doesn't help you. It actually hurts to give you the trigger shot, which is great because it's not really good for your system to like force it to do something it's going to do anyway.
0: Yeah. And it's just another like physical stress on your body.
1: And an expense. Yeah definitely. So that's not what we're going to do. We're just going to continue on doing IUI. We're going to add the monitoring. I think it's more for our own sense of like peace of mind because then at least we have some backup for our timing. But he also confirmed that Ange did have likely a... Well, he didn't
0: confirm, but he said that he's a firm believer that if you have L- or HCG in your system, then there has to be placental tissue forming. Yeah. He said... That he doesn't think that there should be any other reason and that made me hopeful actually because it does show that i can get pregnant and that we have the timing right
1: yeah so that was like a kind of a weight lifted off a little bit
0: and it was also nice to have him as a doctor say this is what i think and this is Mm
1: -hmm.
0: confirming what i'm kind of thinking but i'm tentative to kind of believe in because i'm not a medical professional so it was nice to have someone else be like yeah that is definitely a possibility That you had a chemical pregnancy.
1: Yeah. And so um, the other thing that happened, which uh, surprised me a little bit, is that Ange saw 67% and was like, ooh, let's do that. And I was like, "Um, what? You want to jump to IVF? And the doctor was even like, yeah, so it seems like maybe you're not on the same page. I was like, "God damn it! I thought we were. Where are you going? It's like you got so excited about this, like 67%, and you just ran away with it. And I was like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. We're not there yet.
0: I know I did because, well, when you look at the two statistics on paper and he's saying you have a 67% chance, which is great, and you're young, and you're going to get all this other stuff, and then he's like, oh, yeah, but you could continue with IUI, which is about 10 to 15% chance, Then it's like, oh.
1: Yeah, but also, you're still young, and there's still no reason. You're still ovulatory. You're healthy. There's no reason to believe that you won't get pregnant, and I think this is where that comment that we talked about a couple episodes back that... Um, that woman made about the midwife on the Facebook group yeah where it's like yeah you do have to remember that you know IVF is pretty insane like it's pretty not insane insane but it's like very invasive and to jump to something like that when it's not medically necessary is extreme and I would like to remain on the side of like least invasive procedures possible I think it's better for us I think it's less expensive which is nice but I also have to, had to keep reminding you, like, you're we're going to spend a lot more money, like exponentially more money in a month. And they don't offer, our clinic doesn't offer a payment plan because they didn't like how much people were getting charged interest and they just didn't feel like it was necessary. Because you could get a line of credit for a much lower percent, like, whatever. You get charged less if you just go to your bank and get a line of credit. Whatever. I get it. But there's still a 33% chance that it doesn't work. And I don't feel like we've given, like everybody says average takes six tries with IUI. We've only gotten halfway there. And as hard as it's been, I feel like we still have a couple months left in us.
0: Yeah, but just going back, mm. so I can respond to the many things that you just said. <laughs> I did see the IVF thing is like really shiny. And it was kind of like, oh, it was, it was like seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I just felt like in that moment, that would be the answer to everything. We would most likely, all the statistics would be on our side. We would most likely get pregnant. This whole schmozzle of up and down roller coaster, what if, I don't know, maybe would be over.
1: I feel like IVF would be even more of a roller coaster because the stakes are way higher because it's so expensive. And if that didn't work, I would be just beside myself.
0: Something else that made me feel better was that you said you would be comfortable moving forward with IVF if these three... These next three IUIs didn't work.
1: Mm -hmm. And also I said that like, okay, so we'll decide that we'll do a monitored session next or monitored IUI next month. That doesn't mean we have to do it for three months. That's just like, okay, that's what we're going to do next month and then we'll see where we're at, which is what I keep saying all along is like not getting ahead of ourselves is better for us because it's like, I don't know, it just seems so invasive and it seems like so much. And I really want it to be as simple as possible. And IVF is not simple. It's not even close. You know, it's really expensive and it's really invasive and it's really geared towards, it's meant for people who have fertility issues, like medical issues. We don't have any of that. We just have time, you know. Timing is our biggest, the biggest thing we have against us, I guess, is time. We want to be pregnant now and it would make everything in our lives so much better if we were. I think it's important not to get, like, carried away with all the medical interventions that are possible.
0: Yeah, we did get some feedback from when we sort of ripped apart that woman who wrote that comment on the Facebook page saying that we were being way too harsh.
1: (laughs) I don't think, well, okay, so my point about that was that if somebody, if the woman that made that comment didn't work in this field and didn't, and wasn't queer herself, it might make more sense to me, but it just felt really naive and off base and, like, invalidating dropping something like that like okay guys but like just don't like worry about it don't do all that stuff just like you got it you can do this you don't need all the medical intervention is like yeah but we do and it just sounded really simplistic and like totally reductive and it was like not helpful I think that which is why I said she could have said it differently I think the point that she was trying to make was good It just came across really really naive and really like insensitive actually
0: yeah, it's interesting that IUI, the first three have, I think, what did he say? 20% chance of working, mm-hmm. and then the following three, it's 10 to 15. It's
1: No, that's not what he said. He said they know it's about 10 to 15 or 10 to 20 for the first three, but they just don't know the stats on the like next three months. He said you have diminishing returns after the first three months. But... I mean, it's really hard to say something like that. Because what if we've completely messed up the timing? We think we've completely messed up the timing the first time.
0: Yeah, so we've only actually probably done... Two. Two. Two, right. two so with good timing. And then even further than that, I think the third one was our best because I made that amazing chart mm-hmm. and actually figured out... Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. So I'm go- I'm going to be on letrozole instead of Clomid, which I was reading about a little bit today. Yeah, some articles say that it's superior, that it it results in more live births while some were saying that it doesn't.
1: Well, he said that some people can become clomid resistant. So I think that's why they start with it because then you have something like Ange said this to me, then you have something to switch to. So hopefully we have more success on letrozole. After 6 months of IUI it's not really indicate it's it's not worth doing, they said, which I get. Because they're basically like, listen, you've given it enough tries. If you haven't figured it out by now, then it's probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling hopeful moving forward. Yeah.
1: I'm really hoping that you just get pregnant in December because that would be perfect timing. Then our baby would be two months old when we need to go to Australia. That would be great because I would rather not take a baby younger than that on an international flight.
0: Yes, and I will be pregnant and we'll be looking forward to having a baby.
1: Regardless of the timing, it would be so nice. Future us are going to be so happy.
0: But if it was a chemical pregnancy, we're doing something right. Yeah. I keep thinking that. I
1: think we're doing everything right, except the actual conceiving part, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we don't actually have control over. So I think you have to also just remember, just because we have these interventions doesn't mean we should expect it to happen right away. You know, people who are trying the old-fashioned way have to wait, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Uh, I
0: saw this documentary. It c- came up in my Twitter feed, actually. And I clicked on it because it was called sperm donor. (laughs) Was called Sperm Donors Anonymous, and it was a trailer for a documentary. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Ooh, interesting!" So I clicked on it and I watched it, and it was uh, one of those like sneaky religious things where they try and make it seem like we are just doing an investigation into this thing, but really it's completely biased. Mm. So it was all these people who were conceived through sperm donors or worse sperm donors talking about life and how terrible their life is because they didn't have a dad and because they didn't know their dad and that was taken away from them and then these sperm donors talking about like and I was out there and I had no way of contacting my child and acting as if their kids had been like kidnapped and taken away from them like if I had known I how much it affected me not to have my child with me I never would have done it and all these things which was so like the time I was just like so saddened by that when I was mm. watching
1: it. That doesn't surprise me at all.
0: One of the guys in the documentary said, or one of the guys in the trailer said, Hey, dad, if you're out there, f- find me because you owe me 34
1: birthday presents.
0: Like, what? is this how people think about Parents? their sperm donors or their,
1: you know what I mean? That's a really weird thing to say. That's why his life was terrible because he didn't get 34 birthday presents. This
0: isn't saying that his life wasn't terrible, but he's thinking about the sperm
1: donor as being.
0: His dad? His dad and that he owes him something and that he just like pissed off. Like he was with his mom and he just like peaced out and now he's like a deadbeat. When it's like the act of sperm donation is different from that. Yeah.
1: Because the point is not to be the parent.
0: Yeah. But do kids grow up thinking, feeling
1: a loss from not having a father? I think it depends on how you parent them. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of kids don't have dads and are just fine.
0: They're fine, but they might have a sense of like grief about not having them.
1: I've thought about this a lot, and I think if you have two parents, you're lucky. Because a lot of people don't. A lot of kids don't have two parents, whether they're two moms or two dads or grandparents or aunts and uncles or whoever they are. If you have two people that live with you, that take care of you, that are your main caregivers, you're lucky. Regardless of, and the idea that a male person as a parent is going to provide something that a female can't or vice versa is just stupid. It's just stupid. If, if that's how you live your life and you delineate gender so much, then maybe a person like that is going to find something else to blame for the reason their life sucked no matter what.
0: Yeah, it just sucks that it's those people making that documentary are out there, like, actively trying to make this thing shitty and make it seem like we're damaging children and that children who have two moms are just like, where's my dad? I don't know. I'll never know. And I'm damaged. And it sucks that's to not see the, that stuff. I don't
1: think that's the reality. It's like propaganda. It is. It's complete bullshit. It's the same thing when they were, like, railing against gay adoption. And they were all pissed off because gay people are allowed to adopt. Well, you know why gay people are allowed to adopt? Because straight people give their children up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because people who can accidentally get pregnant do it without thinking and or for whatever reason can't raise their kid, sometimes legitimately, sometimes carelessly, whatever. So instead of trying and failing, they give someone else the chance. And it's just there's always going to be somebody saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You're not doing it right. You know what? There's way more arguments against Christians raising their kids because who is responsible for putting their children in the care of how many rapey priests? (laughs) That sure wasn't gay people.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then, but then I watched this additional short documentary thing that uh, was called the Children of Donor 5114, which I posted on the Facebook page. That was really cute because it was this boy, he's probably like 13, and he's like, I just one day happened to find that um, a Facebook group where my siblings are and then he went to his mom and he was like mom do you know that I have like 18 half siblings and she was like I didn't know that actually and so then he like uh, someone planned a meetup so they all got together and were like hanging out and they're like you have lips like mine you have eyes like mine that's so cool and they're like hanging out and they're all around the same age and those kids seemed totally fine they did have some questions or like, yeah, if I met my sperm donor, like, I'd want to ask him if he liked to play music because I like music
1: and... You know, I think any kid who doesn't grow up with their biological parent, like adopted children, probably feel the same way. And that's why it's a lot more common and a lot more beneficial to choose an open situation, whether it's an open adoption or an open or like a known donor or like an open donor who's willing to be contacted at some point.
0: Yeah. And so... Then I was thinking that we're doing that. So the kid will be able to look at pictures of the donor and say, oh, mm-hmm. I look like that because of this. Or maybe potentially have some sort of correspondence with them, which I think is really important. So then I felt better in our decisions. It's mm-hmm. Just stupid internet crap There's got me down. There's always
1: going to be haters.
0: Yeah. You know I what? was talking to my friend about it and she was saying like, don't worry about it, because no matter what, your kid's going to grow up and resent you for something. <laughs>
1: it's true. It's totally true. Yeah. Who doesn't resent their parents for something or other?
0: And then there was an Onion article that was, the title was, uh, study finds that all methods of parenting damage children, <laughs> 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 or something it's like that.
1: True. Isn't that like the like most classic advice? Don't worry. You, you will screw your kids up. Just yeah. accept that, and then you won't be so stressed out about it, yeah. because it's going to happen no matter what. You just, by nature of being human, pass on some of your weird stuff.
0: Yeah, I just really hope that our kid doesn't end up being one of those, like, jaded, angry people that then decides same-sex parenting is awful. But I think if you raise a kid in a certain way to be, like, loving and accepting from, like, minute one, mm-hmm. I don't think that they would end up feeling that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know I know of, like, a, ki- of a kid who his parents split up. His mom came out, and then he ended up with his stepmom from the time he was really young. And he, he got a lot of flack for it, and he became really angry for a long time. There's a lot of reasons for this boy to be angry and for him to be resentful, but a lot of it was because of the way the world treated him, because he had gay moms, not because they were bad parents. Yeah. You know, so it's the stigma of it, too, that the world doesn't look at that. And especially somebody who's our age who grew up like that, the world wasn't very okay with it back then. So it was like a big shameful thing that you had to hide The fact that, you you know, your kid had two moms and you had to try and, like, not make it a scene and, like, you know, be really on the down low about it, which is so shitty. Mm -hmm. And anything like that, any kind of shame like that around the way a kid's brought up is going to cause the kid to have issues and be resentful and probably be angry. Yeah. So that's what's great about the way we get to raise our kids. And the reason we live in such a great city is that we can go to, you know, we can have daycare and community centers and schools where there's lots of gay parents and we're not the only ones So it's not a big deal. Kids just don't care. If they're in an environment where nobody cares about it, like kids aren't prejudiced. They I think there probably, probably
0: will be some, but I think they're going to be in the min- minority for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. But like kids, I mean, k- honestly, kids don't care. If they're not taught to give a shit about it, they won't care about it. Yeah. So that's why you just need to be in like a more progressive place so that you can do it and not give your kid a bunch of hang-ups about it, hopefully. I mean, that sounds really idealistic, I'm sure. but
0: You know what kid is going to end up with hang-ups? Serious hang-ups? Jessa Duggar's son. Do you guys know what she named her child? This is not even a joke, and I'm not saying it wrong. It's Spurgeon. His first name is Spurgeon. Sounds like a fungus or like a weird a sea creature. It sounds like a sea creature. It sounds like something some sort of medical term for like pustule. It sounds like so many disgusting things. It is Spurgy such,
1: Spurge.
0: It's How do you such shorten an awful name? name.
1: And they named their kid after like people's last names.
0: Yeah, because Charles Spurgeon was some amazing christian i'm like well then why didn't you name him charles why spurge <laughs> like an actual name oh god it's awful that poor child first of um, all that kid's gonna be fucked up no matter what its name is <laughs> i know but that's like the cherry on top of the fucked upness mm.
1: well, what do you expect you get like a, a completely sheltered tiny-minded 25 year old and a 20 year old kid to name their kid like really
0: and even the duggar lovers like the bible humpers that are on her facebook page are not down with the name they're like oh i just wish that you named him something else maybe you should think about switching the two i'm just gonna keep calling him like baby seawald no one's come out and been like what a great choice because it's ridiculous
1: yeah it's fine he'll be homeschooled and his only friends will be his family should we bring on our super extra special guest i think we should (laughs) Okay, so we have on the show today a special treat for you. We have none other than Hizzy J, the soon to be rap star.
0: I'm actually straight off the top, I'm gonna to play her song right now.
2: Yo, yo, turn it up, up. Hizzy J, that's my name. If you get it wrong, you're gonna be in pain. grade two, and I'm here to school you. Started grade three, no teacher can teach me. I never get grounded, I get my homework did. I clean my room, yo, now let's get low. I don't care about today, I just care about his EJ. I'm number one, yo, yellow from the streets, go. So never forget this rhyme, I'll be back in time, I know you'll miss me, cause I'm the
1: queen bee! She's pretty good, right? Say hi. Hi. So she is going to be our baby's cousin, and we've talked about it a little bit, but what do you think about that?
2: I think it would be pretty cool.
1: When we were in the car, I asked you if you wanted us to have a boy or a girl, and what did you say?
2: I said, a boy would be pretty cool. I agree with you. I want a boy. Because why? <laughs> uh, because if I had a second cousin baby girl and a cousin baby boy, that would be fun to play with like a boy and a girl because I'm sort of like a tomboy. Mm-hmm. So I can play with boys.
1: What do you think you would do with a boy?
2: I think I would, um, squeeze him.
1: (laughs) You should see the creepy look on her face when she said (laughs) that. You really like babies, don't you?
2: Yes, I love
1: them. What do you like about them?
2: Uh, That they're chubby sometimes. Yeah. That they make cute sounds.
1: (laughs) Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of a cousin do you think you're going to be?
2: I think I'll be like a really nice cousin cuz I'm really nice to
1: babies. Well, that's good. Yeah. What about when the baby gets older, will you still be nice?
2: <laughs> Maybe. Will you
1: will you babysit? Uh yeah. We time this perfectly because you're going to be like 9 or 10 years older than this kid. <laughs> yeah. So will
0: you when you're like a cool 20-year-old, will you still hang out with our 10-year-old
1: child? <laughs> Yes. It's sort of like how your sister is so much older than you. Same kind of idea, right? Yeah. So do you have any advice for
0: us as soon-to-be parents of how to how to be a
1: good parent?
2: Well, I know a little bit about what you need to do for a baby because uh, if they have a diaper on, you need to change their diaper. Mm-hmm. Um good and, tip, good tip mm-hmm. And sometimes Changing when diapers. they're crying you also need to change their diaper and sometimes when they're also crying you need to feed them with a bottle of milk mm-hmm. and you just need to like make sure they're like happy and clean.
1: How do you make sure a kid stays happy
2: like make goofy faces
1: not just a baby like a kid like your age how would how would you want your parent to keep you happy? How does your mom do it?
2: Uh, she, like, cuddles with me, and, yeah, she hugs me a lot, and she gives me lots of kisses. So
0: being affectionate. Yeah. Yeah? That's nice.
1: I think it's really important, lots of studies say it's really important that kids know that they're loved.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you guys say I love you all the time?
2: Uh, yeah, but I have a secret. That I can't tell my other siblings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that you're the favorite? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Uncle Matt was totally the favorite.
0: Uncle Matt is still the favorite. He comes to town and everyone, like, loses their minds. They're like,
2: Matt's here! (laughs) Yeah. Because he's all the way from Australia and... We're, like, excited to see him every time Yeah, see him.
1: And then you see me, and you're like, ugh, you again. You're <laughs> always around. I'm so bored.
2: No. No? No.
1: Actually, you did say today that we needed to see each other more often. Yeah. Which I, I agree. Yeah, for
0: sure. What do you think about, do you know anybody, any kids in your school or anything, that have two moms? No. What do you think about kids having two moms, or a kid having two moms?
2: Um. Uh, I don't
1: know. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing or, like, whatever? I think it's good. Yeah?
2: Yeah. It doesn't have to be a boy and a girl.
1: It Mm -hmm. can be a girl and a girl. Or it could just be a girl. Yeah. Right? Because you just have a mom. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. Well, you got a mom and a grandma and aunties and friends and grandma and you have all sorts of people in your life. I think it's weird because sometimes people say that it's a bad thing for kids to have two moms. Well, right. it isn't. What do you think about that?
2: I don't think it's bad. I think it's good. Yeah? Because it doesn't have to be a boy and a girl. It can be a girl and a girl or a boy and a boy. Mm-hmm. doesn't really matter.
1: Because really the point is that the kid gets love and affection and they have parents, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Good plan. Do you have any suggestions for what we should name our baby?
2: Ooh. Oh, for a boy, I think it would be like Jacob...
1: Oh. That's a nice and name. And for a
2: girl, I think it would be like Lisa or Lila. Lila. Lisa. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Why why where'd you get Lila from? That's an old name.
2: Well, I just always liked the name Lila. Yeah, it's yeah. a good name.
1: And do you know somebody named Lila that you like? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that helps. What do you think about these baby names that I was thinking about over the past week? Victor? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like two stuffy like what are you gonna call him for short vic was he like a why like, can't he just be victor like a shylark from new jersey or something
2: <laughs> that sounds like a mad scientist a mad scientist <laughs> yeah
0: yeah what about gideon like gideon's bible no like gideon the name <laughs> no but it's like a version of the
1: bible so have well. you heard that name before no no and like again what do, how do you shorten that gid Sup, gid <laughs> <laughs> What's up, kid? It sounds weird. Okay. It sounds like
0: kid. What do yeah. you think about the name Spurgeon? <laughs> <laughs> See, it's weird. Even children know it's a weird name. <laughs> That's not Jessa. not a name. What about Reese for a boy? Like R-H-Y-S? Or R-E-E-S-E? Do you think Reese Witherspoon has ruined that name for boys?
2: Well, it's a good name.
1: I think Reese is a cute name. Yeah. I don't think of Reese Witherspoon necessarily. Do you think it would be a good boy's name, though? Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, mind it. I don't mind it.
0: And then I was thinking, what about Cosette,
1: like from *Les Misérables*? <laughs> what? The? You like it? I do like that name, actually, Cosette. It's cute. It is, and it's not very common, but it's not weird either. Yeah. And then, what do you think of this? Oh. Now she's gonna tell us a super weird name. We could just name. go
0: like totally weird, and we could name our child Winter. Oh, that's a nice name Thank for a girl. I actually really like that. And then whole pregnancy will be like, winter is coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Let's just not do the podcast at all.
2: (laughs) The Baby Mamas Podcast. Yo, yo, this is Tizzy J. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas. Like them on Facebook, y'all. Review them on iTunes too. Peace out, y'all.